Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed, and has been tamed, by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Good morning. Hi, yep, my name's Stephen. Thanks for being here. As we continue through this resilient series, I want to say James is my favorite book of the Bible, so I'm well happy, thanks baby, uh, to be going through it. It's my beautiful wife. <coughs> you can cheer her. She's the best thing about me. Uh, but yes, I love the book of James. It is wonderful. Uh, it's quite short. It's a letter that James wrote to a church. And uh, we'll be taking obviously a section by section uh, throughout this, these weeks. But really, it should be read as a whole letter. And so I have encouraged us a few times to do that during the week. Maybe some of you have taken up that encouragement from me. It's just three pages of your Bible. Read the whole thing and you get an impression of it. And today we are zeroing right in on this passage in chapter three about how we use our tongue how we use our speech, how we use our words. But as you read the whole letter, you'll read that actually James mentions it right throughout the letter. He talks a lot about talking. He gives them instructions about how they should speak up, ask things, pray things, praise things, um, shouldn't grumble, uh, shouldn't moan, shouldn't boast, should boast, and some other things. All kinds of different ways he's talking about the way we talk. Because the way we talk is something that is specific to everyone. It's not specific. It's very general in that sense. There's some parts of the Bible which we preach from here, and you can sometimes sit there thinking, well, this bit's not really that relevant to me directly. This one is directly relevant to everyone. It's universally applicable for us. And I love the way that James teaches it. He's very, very direct. I quite like direct. That's kind of my style. He's quite bullet pointy. He's just like a bit nuts and boltsy. That's what I like as well. He's borrowing loads of stuff from the teaching of Jesus and loads of stuff from the Proverbs. Lots of wisdom for us to look at today. So I'm going to look at that. We're going to look at how we speak and the power of the tongue. Did you know that there are only four nations out of the 195 nations in the world that haven't had a single case of coronavirus. Have 195 nations, only four of them have kept it out. Three of them, partly because they basically have a very, very tiny population. And one that's very, a bit bigger. I mean, you can go and Google that for yourselves later. Uh, but all of them have one thing in common. 
They've managed to keep it out because they have crazy strict isolation policies. Basically, you can't get in. In lots of cases, you can't get out either. They've really, really locked it down. Do you think you've been through a lockdown? They are totally locked down, which means they have avoided any virus, any deaths from the virus, any illness from the virus. But there has been some other fallout for those nations. But they have managed to keep it. That is the only way they can keep the virus out, is by totally locking down. The reality is with our speech, we've got a problem here. All of us have got a problem. The only way you can avoid having problems with your speech is by what? By never speaking. <laughs> never having contact with other people, which may be the option you opt for. And some of you are thinking, probably some of you at home are probably thinking, yes, this is the way I'm going to work it. I'm just going to stay away from people. That's the way. Sometimes I think, you know what, I've not said anything really bad for ages. It's like... Oh, yeah, I've not really seen anyone. That's what it is. I'm not saying I've still said some bad things, even though I've been with you. The only way we can avoid this particular problem that James gets into is by never speaking or never by being with people. That will cause some other problems. But the reality is we live in a life with other people. And the more we speak, the more opportunity there is for problems in this area. Even if we don't speak and meet up with people, we now have our phones at our fingertips. You can type away all kinds of things. So this morning when I say speak, you can think, you know, any, any kind of use of words and touch, you know, with our thumbs as well as our tongues uh, at times. Anyway, so James here, he's going to help us look at this issue with our tongue. That all of us has said, have said things that are wrong at one time or another. And James is going to help us diagnose uh, this problem that you've got. So I've got loads and loads of bad news for you this morning. I've got five points today all about how terrible the use of our tongue is. But let me encourage you, stay with me because there is hope for us in this. And, uh, that, you know, our, our tongues, they can be a cause of all kinds of destruction and mayhem, difficulty and regret for us. But they can also be a great use of bringing encouragement and life and comfort and goodness and purpose and ambition to being as well. And the wonderful, we've got a great gospel message that we're meant to speak out to other people. We've got worship to offer to God and love to offer to other people. And so we are going to spend time looking at this. And when I say we, I mean we, I mean me. This is an issue for me. Sometimes I kind of stand here preaching thinking, you know what, I'm kind of 20 years into really walking with Jesus. Some of these things I've really got nailed. This one is a work in progress. And anyone who lives with me or is friends with me or works with me knows that I often have to apologize, including this week. It's been wonderful preparing this over a couple of weeks, just picking up examples. And uh, every time I've got it wrong, I said, look, I know I've said something wrong. It's just because I'm preaching on this. Just trying to get some live examples. Uh, you know, I wouldn't normally say these things. And it's just not true. I stumble in this area. I need this as much as you do. So let me tell you, if this is an issue for you, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's also for me because this passage literally speaks to me. Let's look at verse 1. It says, this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. This is not talking about primary school teachers. He is, of course, talking about secondary school French and PE teachers. <laughs> you guys are a special evil kind uh, where judgment is going to rain down upon you. You and your little French verb tests. You and your bleep tests. Your surprise cross country today. <laughs> Bless. No, of course, it's not for you. Well, no, this is talking about anyone, anyone who would assume the position of teaching others. You want to have influence. You want to have a platform. You want to have a stage. You want to say something. 
be warned. Because you might think, oh, I'm just being judged by those who are listening. No, you are being judged by heaven, by God himself. God cares about how you use your words and how you fail to use them as well. Last week, I had my daughter Verity, who's six, up on the stage with me uh, when I was doing the baby Thanksgiving. She was very cute, and uh, she's just got to say a few little things. And uh, this week, she says, Daddy, when am I next going to be speaking to the people? <laughs> I was like, she's like, when am I next going to have the microphone? I'm like, hmm, what have I birthed in this little being? She's like, yes. But we're all a little bit like that. We all think, yes, I'd quite like a platform and a microphone and audience in which to listen to my thoughts. And uh, back in the day, you used to be like, well, I think I've got a book in me. Now, have you ever had friends like, I think I've got a book to write. And they tell you the concept for their book and you're like, oh, that's good. You should definitely try some publishers. They can tell you that's a rubbish idea uh, for yourselves. But, but now, you don't need that. It's like, you've got a vlog or a blog or a challenge. You, you can start that in a few minutes' time. And uh, lots of my wonderful friends have them. And some of them are excellent. Now, the reality is lots of people think they've got things to say. And uh, just get it out there and just get them to say it. Don't necessarily exercise a lot of sense of, God, what is it actually meant to say? What am I meant to be saying with the thing that you've put, me, put in me? We should not take lightly having platforms or having microphones or having audiences. We should be careful with the things that we're given because words are powerful as we're going to see. So I've got five things from James's passage about the diagnosis around our speech. We're going to find out that uh, the problem is universal, that it's devastating, the tongue is untamable, that we are duplicitous people, and we've got evil hearts. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Okay, so we're going to see if we can do all five in the time we've got. So the first one is, this is a universal problem. I've already said that a little bit, haven't I? But verse 2 says this, For we are all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man who is able to bridle his whole body. All of us, many ways, whole body. James uses big language. That can sound like hyperbole, like exaggeration, but it's not. This is how serious an issue it really is. As I already said, it's something that affects everyone. Everyone stumbles in this area in one way or another. As I've been thinking, this, thinking about this over the last few weeks, I can think of people in my life who talk a lot, person who I look at in the mirror, uh, people I live with, and uh, people I work with. I've got lots of people in my life who struggle in the area of talking too much. And uh, no one speaks as quickly as I am. I've got that one down. Uh, but it's definitely people who use a lot of words in my life and thinking this message is for them. But I think I've got lots of people who are actually quite quiet and don't say very much. Like, how does this apply to them? Well, as you look at the whole letter of James, you realize James doesn't just state it negatively. So what we shouldn't say. He also says the things you should say as well. And so maybe you're listening thinking, oh, this is an issue. I don't often find myself saying things that I regret. But maybe it's because there's things you should be saying. And I think sometimes a male-female divide as well. So I think some, you know, if you look at the stats around how many thousands of words kind of men and women say a day, you know, I think it's, it can sometimes be as much as half men say compared to women. Women are just more relational generally. But it's, it's an exaggeration. I'm definitely the more female end if that's the case. Uh, but in that sense of, you know, that, that there's, a, there's this. So it's like, well, are women more sinful than men? Well, no, men often it's because they don't say enough. There's situations where they're not speaking up when they should, not sharing with more of their life, not encouraging, not praying, not celebrating as they should. So it may be that as I'm speaking, you're thinking, oh, this doesn't apply to me. Let me tell you, it does apply to you. This is something that we can all stumble in and in many different ways. So many ways. It may be you've got some of these ways down. 
You're not liable to lying or cursing or swearing or gossiping. But there might be something else that's going on there. If I don't mention you and your particular issue, why don't I ask God to mention it to you instead? It's a brave prayer to pray. Say, God, where in my life, where are there ways where I don't meet your holy standard in the way that I speak? Don't just say, oh, I don't speak like that. Or I'm not as bad as I used to be. Or Stephen's not mentioning my thing. No, ask God, what is it the ways that he wants to speak to you about? Maybe even do that now. And even if you've got it down in one area, another area will pop up. I was saying to a friend recently, God's taught me what it is to be more content in him. There's a time in my life where my wife started picking up and I kept saying, it's so annoying. It's so annoying about everything. There's just this discontent and grumbling in my life. And I was just showing with a friend about it. God's really helped me with that, just to be a more gracious, grateful person. And over the next like 48 hours, I think I must have said, it's so annoying. About 10 times, I was like, what? I thought I dealt with this. But suddenly a new season comes along, life gets a bit tougher, tougher, and it pops up again. So, oh. And like this passage says, it talks about taking the reins of the horse, or taking the tiller of your boat, taking the rudder, taking the bit. You think, actually, you can you take your hands on it? You take your hand off it, suddenly you veer off course again. And this is something you have to keep looking at, keep examining in our lives. Think, where is it kind of popping up again? To say you've nailed it is to say that you're a perfect person. If you can nail your words, you're basically perfect. That's what he's saying. And as he says, they sort of, they sort of, he's basically saying, none of you can do it. None of you are perfect. None of you are perfect in this way. None of you are complete yet. He's really pointing to the fact that it is an unreachable target. To speak perfectly, you know what? That is not something that you can reach by yourself. He's alluding to the impossibility of our efforts. We can't make ourselves perfect. But... In one sense, we are still to aim for it. Because when he talks about perfect, he talks about this kind of completeness. Being the complete thing that God is calling us to be. He's made us a certain shape and made us to be more like his son, Jesus. And when you become a believer, when you put your trust in Jesus, Jesus in his wonderful kind of partnership with you, making you more like himself. It says this in Philippians 3. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. When we're talking about getting our speech right today, it's not because we're trying to get hold of Jesus. No, it's because Jesus got hold of us that we can get hold that we can get the hope of holding onto our speech. When Jesus gets hold of us, we suddenly start taking hold of our life, taking hold of our tongue, making master of it, becoming more like Jesus. Well, it's in Philippians one, and I'm sure of this that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I think in this area, I have at times felt so helpless and hopeless. I said, oh, I've messed up again. I've said this, I hurt someone else, I've got to apologise again. Oh, I'm just, I mean, this, this, this Sunday, I won't say anything to anyone. I just sit quietly. And it's like, saying something again. So, oh, I feel so helpless and hopeless in it. But God's taking hold of me. He's going to bring me through to completion. He's more committed to me changing to be like him than, than I am. It's a universal problem. It trips us all up in many ways. But it's a key battleground that God is up for. And he wants to make us more like his son, Jesus, as we put our trust in him. So yes, it's a universal problem. Number two is a devastating problem. Here it says in verse five and six, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Again, it's massive, colourful language. Like, James, you're being a bit strong. It's, you know, I just drop an F-bomb occasionally. Or, you know, occasionally I don't tell things quite as truthfully as I should do. So, no, no. Your tongue is devastating in its impact. 
When speech is involved, it can do all kinds of things. Last week, we were learning about faith and works. To have real faith, genuine faith with God, it's evidenced in the way that we live our lives. And often the first thing people see about how we live our lives is the way we speak. They might see what you look like, but soon, very quickly, that your words follow. They see the thing you write or the things you think, see the things you say. And those things can be devastating. People get murdered because of things that people say to each other. Adulterous relationships start when men and women begin to speak in ways they shouldn't be doing. War and genocide have taken place because people put thoughts into word that has then led to devastating, horrific, terrifying action. Thoughts that started in hearts and minds get on the tip of tongues and then lead to all kinds of havoc. God cares about what we say, not because it's some arbitrary rules. You know, it's like, oh, keep off the grass. Take your shoes off before you go into the house. No, no. He's saying you've got to take this seriously because the impact of it is serious. It is devastating like a fire. Little flame catches hold and it can suddenly cause a roaring blaze that destroys. It says here it stains the whole body. When words are misused, it can ruin our own lives. You see it, don't you? You see it in the news occasionally. People have said something in a tweet said something from years ago sometimes, said something in a press conference they shouldn't say, suddenly having to resign, suddenly having to apologise, suddenly they can no, no longer do this, that and the other. Their reputation is totally sullied because they said the wrong thing. Sometimes because our culture has funny stands around those things, but often because the sin has just come out of them. Obviously, it also affects other people. We've all obviously been perpetrators of this, but in reality, in this room, I think we've all probably been victims of the words of other people. Things that people have said that have stung, that have hurt, that have caused us all kinds of problems. Sometimes in obvious ways, sometimes in less obvious ways. When we gossip, you know, people's characters get assassinated. Rumours start swirling around people that will do all kinds of damage. Mocking that leads to self-hate and to self-harm. Lies that grow and grow and break down trust and destroy families and friendships. Boasting in pride and selfishness that numbs different relationships. Quarrelling and anger and harshness that blow up situations and cause all kinds of rifts. Moaning and grumbling, which cultivates dissatisfaction with God when there should be gratitude. What it does to our own mental health and other people's hearts and to our relationships, it rips apart, causes all kinds of damage. But sometimes the effects don't seem that dramatic. I can't think of something I've said recently that's been that bad. So maybe this isn't for me. Or maybe it's when I do think about things like that, but, but I don't think it's that bad. But in all kinds of subtle ways, this happens as well, and on a daily basis. Because fire, what does it do? It burns because there's oxygen. And what it does, it sucks the oxygen out of a room. So it's not just what it destroys, it's also what it removes the ability to have. So in our relationships, and different settings we're meant to be, they're meant to be places of trust, places where people are edified and encouraged, places of faith, of celebration, of prayer, of sympathy and empathy. But when a word's spoken in the wrong way at the wrong time, it can just suck the air out of a room. So it's not a place where there's peace, not a place where there's encouragement or love or affirmation. Those things just go all together. I was in a staff meeting 
uh, this week. And uh, we're still doing our staff meetings online. It's going to be changed soon. And uh, I'm the one who kind of keeps it going. So I try and put a lot of energy into it, trying to keep everyone together while on, on the call, and, uh, which is a dangerous place for me because I'm unscripted. And uh, I decided to go off on one. I had a bit of a joke with a, a friend of mine privately. And I decided to bring that private joke into the call with the 50 people and decided just to mock them for it. And uh, it wasn't very funny, quite honestly. And I'm, sometimes I'm hilarious, but I was not. It was not that particularly funny, and it was just a bit demeaning for that person. And uh, we moved on to the next agenda and handed it over to someone else to talk. And I'm there just saying like, oh no, I'm going to have to deal with this. Because I, I didn't notice anyone's demeanour particularly change on the call, but I thought, this is just not the atmosphere I want for our church staff. I want it to be a place where people can have a private joke with me. I don't feel like I'm going to get exposed for it. I want to be a place where we enjoy encouraging and lifting people up. And we make a lot of effort to do that. And I thought, I've just demolished that. Anyone who feels like speaking up today might not now speak up because I'm off on one. So that person finished sharing. I said, so I just, just like to, just before we move on, just to apologise to everyone about da-da-da-da-da. And you can see these people like shaking their head thinking, this is brilliant. We love a bit of humility from Stephen. But it's just because I'm thinking, in one sense... It wasn't that bad what I said. It wasn't that funny. Most people think, well, Stephen's unfunny and we like that other guy, so he can just, we just ignore him. But then, no, I want something better for us than that. I want an atmosphere and a culture around me, around us, where people feel like they can be encouraged and be edified, be built up, where we can celebrate together. We can have empathy and sympathy for one another. I don't want to have it sucked out of the room. I was another meeting two weeks ago. Literally, I've got a lot of stories. stories. <laughs> two weeks ago, <clears throat> and... Um, I was just trying to knock out some agenda items before we got into really the real meat of the meeting. And uh, someone just kept ch- chirping in on something. And I was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. And they kept going. I was like, look, mate, can you stay out of the room? <laughs> and it was like, and I was just, and even as I just turned, I was like, oh, I just want to say I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have spoken like that. I really don't want to speak like that. Thank you so much for raising your concern. <laughs> but you think, I just don't want to be like that. I don't want to shut things down, have an air around it. It just sucks the air out of the room. Those fires set on fire. Suddenly everyone's going to be a bit on edge. Or everyone's going to be a bit like that. We don't want that kind of atmosphere. We want to speak rightly. Knowing that our words, yes, can have devastating effects that can lead to murder. But it can just ruin the kind of godly atmosphere that God's calling us to have around us. In our homes. You know, somebody in your home, sometimes they're not even saying anything. Sometimes what we're saying is written all over our faces. There's a passive aggressiveness. Or just a harshness in tone. The way we've spoken. It's like, oh, can you set the table can you set the table? Do you know what I mean? They're just the miles apart, aren't they? And they're just like you suck the atmosphere. It's the oxygen out of the room. There's a fire going on there. And actually you can breathe in life. Number three, untamable. In this 12 verses, James gives us seven different analogies of what the tongue is like. And maybe you can go back and read the passage for yourself. And you can decide which one kind of sticks out to you. Is it the bridle on the horse's mouth? Is it uh, the rudder on the ship? Is it the fire? For me, it's this one. It's the untamed animals. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. The problem of the tongue is universal, it's destructive, it's also untamable. We just can't help it. It just goes wrong. We can tame living creatures, but we can't tame the tongue. For me, I can't even tame living creatures. My children have asked ever since they could speak. In fact, my, my first son's word was dog. Okay, literally. He's like, duh, 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 
dog. I'm like, we haven't got a dog. So um, it's like, dad, dad followed soon after. But yes, dog. And so they've been asking me for a dog forever. And I've, and I've just said, of course you can have a dog as soon as you have your own house. And, uh, but... But my heart has warmed over the years towards our four-legged friends. And uh, a few years ago, I thought, you know what? I'm going to get a dog. And I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm just going to come home with it. And so back in 2019, I started doing my research, started looking into it, think, can we really do this? I thought, yes, we can. And then a lockdown happened. And I was like, yes, we can be the cliché. And so we bought ourselves the fire pit, obligatory fire pit, and we bought ourselves a dog. And so I went and bought myself a collie, a mix of Patadel Terrier, and I came home with it. And my kids are like, you are actually lying. How have you bought us a dog? I bought a dog. They're like, you have bought a dog. I bought a dog. And uh, her name is Rosa, and she is lovely. And, uh, and when we go out for walks, uh, she is just crazy obedient. Like, people comment to me when I walk out, your dog just, she just comes back to you. I was like, I know. We have nailed this whole dog thing. I mean, and she's just lovely. She's good with other dogs. She's good with other people when we're out and about. Not so much in my house. Because when I'm out and about, it's me and her. I'm the master. She knows what's going on. I've got a tame. In my house, we have my wife and we have six children. That is eight masters this dog has. She does not know where she is coming or going. In my house, she is not allowed on the sofa. Kids, if you're listening, she's not allowed on the sofa. But I tell her she's not allowed. But they're like, well, can she go on the sofa? It's like, we don't feed her from the table. Or do we feed her from the table? She does not know which one. And uh, she does not know how to deal with people in her house. She's like, am I in charge here? Is this my territory? Because she's a lockdown dog. All she knew was us for months and months and months. And then 2022 came along. We started having people around. She's like, who are these people? It's like, they're people to lick and jump up on. And it's just like, Rosa, 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 Rosa down, Rosa down. I literally say that for like the first 15 minutes. Anyone's in my house. It's like, this dog looks like no one has ever trained her. She's totally untamable. That is like my tongue. It is. I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking sometimes, oh, I've nailed this. I am really, I've not said anything bad to anyone for ages. It's because I'm in the middle of a field with no one else. That's why. But suddenly things get a bit busy. I'm a little bit hungry. I'm a little bit angry, feeling a little bit lonely or a little bit tired. Any of those things going on, suddenly it gets a bit restless. It's like having eight masters. And suddenly, oh, oh I said that there. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I didn't say that. Oh, oh, oh I didn't mean to say that. I just think just trip out. And they say things like, I didn't want to say that. Suddenly I find myself venting things. And actually we're in a culture that encourages us to do it. You feel it, you say it. That's your truth, you say that. Maybe I say, you know, well, they'd affect me. So of course I'm going to send them an email. So of course I'm going to send them a message. And sometimes it used to be, you know, if you've got something to say, well, you can wait. You're going to talk about that person. You can ask some questions. But now you've got electronic media. Anyone who feels like saying anything can say it. And they can say it straight away while they're really feeling it. And I have the privilege as a pastor of being on the end of some of your emails. Thank you so much. Please feel free to wait another 24 hours before you send that message. That would save me and you some hassle. Uh, but I do it too. Last term, I uh, was in a meeting and someone said something that really was quite annoying and uh, was a bit wrong. I thought, mm, that's not that great. So what I did is I loved them and forgave them and prayed about it. No, instead of what I did is I just kind of mulled over all day, getting that little bit more bitter as the day went on. And, you know, just, just make little splashes, hit some other people as the day went on. Eventually, I drove home, parked my car outside my house. I thought, I really need to deal with this now. I need to just, just, just get this out. And so I just got on my knees by the side of my car. I just prayed, Jesus, please help me. 
No, 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 I did. I got my phone out, went to WhatsApp, got to a group that I'm in with this person and some other people, and, uh, and I opened with all the right sayings. Hey, guys, now, I, I could be saying this wrongly, okay? I know that, and I'm, I'm feeling a little bit funny today, but let me tell you how I'm feeling. And just went for a little two-minute kind of monologue about how this person upset me and my narrative all around it, that kind of stuff. And then uh, press send. I thought, oh, I do feel a bit better now. That's good. Went and had dinner with my family. And then after dinner, came back to my phone with a lot of missed calls. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe that's not a message I should send. So, babe, what do you think about this message? Then play, play this message to my wife. And I could see her looking at me like, hmm. And you've sent this? <laughs> I was like, ah, yeah. She's like, oh, hmm. Well, you might be right. <laughs> That's not necessarily the way I would have put it. I was like, oh, no. And uh, sure enough, it was not right the way I put it. And I spent a month unpicking the stupid things that I'd said. Even where I was right in that message, said it in the wrong way. That unpick. Just venting this, un- what I should have tamed, should have tamed those thoughts, should have tamed those words, put them in an email and put it in my draft folder for another year. Or I should have found this person. Instead of making statements, I should have asked questions. Say, what was behind that? What's going on there? Or gee, I just can't explain to someone how it made me feel. There's all kinds of things I could have done, but unless I left it untamed and caused all kinds of damage. Do you do that? When you're feeling hurt, when you're feeling, un- feeling pain, do you take the moment then to tame your tongue? to tame your words, or do you just let it run right? Do you let it sit on the sofa and eat from the table? I remember seeing the uh, fires back in 2020 in Australia. Remember, that was the big story of 2020 at one point. Um, and you see these crazy blazes in Australia, and you see these firefighters with their hoses, and you're thinking, what are you doing? You're just not going to put that out. It's crazy. The reality is they're devastating things that we can say, and they're untamable. And James is saying this so you realise there's the seriousness, the, the difficulty of the issue we've got. It is not tameable by man. We've got a problem that is just restless and difficult. And it comes from restless hearts. When we're in a good place, when we're in our field, when we're trusting Jesus, when we know his peace in our hearts, we can look at the situation, even the trials in our life, as we've already looked at in James, and think, hey God, even this you can use for my good. I can let my gentleness be evident to all. I love that scripture in Philippians 4 where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. To become a bit of a kind of life motive, I want to be gentle in every season. I want to be reasonable in every interaction. And how do I get that? It's by resting on Jesus. Now, Jesus, actually, you've got me. You're going to use every circumstance for good. Even where that person annoyed me, do you know what? This is an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity for me to deal with them with grace and show them the forgiveness that you've shown me. It's not, doesn't have to be an excuse for venting, for anger, for difficult words. Okay, I'm going to do two of these other two really quickly. Number four, duplicitous. It says this, with, it, with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it I curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things should not be. With the same tongue that God's given us, we praise him, we love other people. At the same time, we curse people, we gossip, we say terrible things. And this, is, again, is a theme right throughout James about being a divided people. So, hey, ask for wisdom, but ask with a, a certainty. Don't ask with doubting. No, no, won't be those who trust God, have real faith that says, I'm going to lean on him. When we're dealing with people, we mustn't be partial. We might say, God, I'm going to love you and love other people unless they're poor, unless they're not people I don't want to be with. No, no, we love God and love all people. 
We're meant to be kind of whole people. We're meant to be pure people, holy people, not divided. Psalm 86 has this prayer. Say, God, give me an undivided heart. Often with our words, it betrays the fact that we've got a divided heart going on. We say we're one thing. We present as one thing. But then suddenly something spills out of our mouth, shows us actually, no, we're not. We are selfish. We are discontent. We, we do think what, want things our way. We want people to line up and meet our expectations. But we need to pray, God, help me not be double-minded. Not, I mean, help me not to be duplicitous. Help my heart to be one. And that brings us to the last one, number five. It reveals the heart. This is where James's teaching kind of starts to fit with, with Jesus' teaching. James is Jesus' brother. He's just bringing his words to bear here. Does a spring pour forth the same, from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So hey, this thing inside us, this is where it comes from. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And sometimes I want to say, oh, I just misspoke. I know I didn't. And actually, I'm being more honest when the bad things come out because it shows actually what's going on here. It's not wrong speech is actually the problem. It's the wrong heart. It's the wrong life. That's the real issue going on. We don't just need top tips for doing better with the way we speak our words, although I can give you some of those as well. We actually need our hearts to be in a better place. When I'm resting in God, suddenly that restless, untamable animal, the tongue doesn't speak badly. When I'm resting in God, the restless tongue is not a problem for me. It's not the poison doesn't come out. When I'm resting in him, I'm not angry. I'm not feeling hurt but just trusting in God. Actually, my words are good. I haven't got to watch my words. Sometimes over these last two years, it's been a difficult two years, I'm aware I'm not in a good place emotionally. So I keep my meetings a bit shorter. I say less words because I know there's more opportunity for anger and difficulty. Equally, there's moments where I'm so good in God, I don't even worry about my words because I know just good's going to pour forth. I feel close to God. I know his Holy Spirit. I know I'm just going to encourage whoever's in front of me. I can forgive freely. I can love freely because I'm close to Jesus. Jesus is committed to changing me to be more like him. He takes that salt water spring that's in me. He's making it fresher and fresher. He's quenching that fire. He's taming that animal in me. That's my hope. I'm not trying to sort my tongue and my heart out so I can come to Jesus. No, Jesus has already come to me. He's got me and he's sorting these things out. So yes, it's still an issue for me. And no doubt I will say sorry some more times today, let alone this week. But as I look back over 20 years, I was like, God, I'm in a different place than I was 20 years ago. You have taken me. I am more like your son, Jesus. And I hope that would be a testimony of other people around me as well. Peter says this about Jesus. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. Jesus never lied. Not once. Not one white lie. Not from the age of zero to 33 when he died upon the cross. Did he say one thing that was wrong? But better than that, he says about himself, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. It's not even that Jesus didn't get it wrong, didn't kind of keep it together and didn't say anything wrong. Actually, he's better than that. He spoke life and spirit, salvation to people, freedom to people, healing to people. And that's what he speaks to us today as well. Where we've made a mess, where we've started fires, where we've hurt others, where we've made trouble for ourselves and for our relationships. God comes and brings healing. Healing brings life. He's able to clear up the biggest messes. I've got, had made some real messes with the words I've said, real regrets. But God's able to come and give us the grace. Grace for today again. In the Lord's prayer, it says, oh, give me, forgive me today the, the, the sins I've done. 
No, but I've got to forgive other people, but forgive me for my sins. It's a daily prayer. And this, this one issue here is alone is reason to come to God every day and say, God, forgive me. So reason I'm going to come and take communion in a moment. Say, God, I need to come to you again, to your cross. Forgive me. Help me to forgive others. Give me wisdom about how to speak. Give me an undivided heart. Put a guard on my mouth. God, help me to rest in you. When I rest in you, when I really trust in you, I know that these issues just melt away. Jesus spoke some phenomenal words for us that we've even mentioned earlier in the service. As he hung upon the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The answer is for you and for me. Jesus was cut off, not because he said anything wrong, but because you have, because I have. Each of us deserve to go to the cross, but instead Jesus went in our place instead. Died the death we should have died for all our wrongdoing so we can be forgiven, so we can be brought near. He also said on the cross, it is finished. The thing he came to do, he came to defeat the power of evil and destruction. And although we're still living in the aftermath of that, there is a time coming when it will all be done. He's won the war. We're still battling, but the war is ultimately won. And we're living in the good that he can transform our lives, transform the way that we speak. We have hope, dear brothers and sisters, that we can deal with this issue. So some of you today is come and repent. Say, God, where I've got this wrong, please forgive me knowing that he will. Some of us need to say, God, please come and help me fix a mess that I've made with the destructive words that I've used. Please come into a particular situation. For some today, it may be just so keenly aware of the words that you've spoken to you, where you're needing healing for your own heart. Come and say to God, please come and heal me. Please come and help me. And I ask the band to come up and let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you that, Jesus, there's not one word that you spoke that was wrong. God, you have always been perfect and good. And you're calling us to use our words rightly as well. To be those who encourage and love and lift up others, edify others, to praise you with our words, Lord God. Uh, But, Lord, you know this is a battle. It's a big battle for all of us. And we're going to get it wrong today and tomorrow. And we need your grace. We need your forgiveness. And we need your transformative power in our lives. We need you, the Holy Spirit. So we invite you, God, come and help us. I pray where you've been convicting hearts of sin, Lord God. I pray, don't leave them in that place. Let conviction lead to repentance. And let them lead to joy and hope that you have started a work in us that you're going to bring through to completion, we pray. I want to pray where there's hurting hearts. Whereas situations that have been destroyed by the power of words, Lord, we God, God, we say, bring healing, bring restoration, uh, bring a way through, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.